you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 60. Wow, episode 60. Uh, it is a Brando. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining us. This is uh, so cool. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be speaking with a Johnny Kelly drummer of uh, Hookers and Blow with Dizzy Reed, uh, Typo Negative, Danzig, a ton of other bands, Silver Tomb, A Pale Horse Named Death. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that stuff. Uh, but first, got to introduce my, my co-host for episode 60 and actually also my friend. You know, we, I've had co-hosts of you know, different fans. Uh, of course, Remco from the Netherlands uh, we spoke to, uh, Sir Kev from Ireland, uh, but this is a, a friend and a fan. Uh, this would be Big John Stud, uh, John Muir. What's going on, my buddy? Hello, friend. How are you? <laughs> That's my Jim Nance impression, by the way. I'm Hello. not your buddy, guy. I'm not your friend, buddy! I thought you were going to do that. Not your, pa- <laughs> not your buddy, pal. There you go. So, uh, so I asked uh, John Muir, not the... The f- the famous John Muir because he's been dead for hundreds of years. It was John Muir Day yesterday, right? Technically, yes, it was. Yes, we tried one hundred and fourth, one hundred and fourth anniversary of his death. But no, it was his. Yesterday is the anniversary of his birthday, which was turned into a which became Earth Day, and also John Muir Day by President Reagan back in nineteen eighty three. Who was he? He was a naturalist and writer and amateur scientist and inventor and the man responsible after one camping trip with President Theodore Roosevelt with inspiring the 26th president of the United States to set up the national park system. Wow. So he is the father of the national parks. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, you don't have the, the quite that resume, <laughs> but you're still... No, I don't. Not even close. <laughs> and... It's just, and, and uh, I don't even have the beard that he does. Um, I've walked nowhere that he has. Um, I've stood in front of his uh, the home he was born in, in Dunbar, Scotland. That's the closest I have been to connecting himself and myself other than we share the same name. I gotcha. Well, we're going to call you uh, Stud because that's your, your nickname from uh, from college. Maybe we'll get into the meeting uh, a little bit later on, just because they have two Johns on the show, maybe get a might get a little confusing. So we're going to call you Stud. Uh, so Stud, yeah. So Stud and I we met back at uh, Hofstra University when we both went to college. And uh, the reason why I asked John to come on the show, one of the reasons is because he's such a huge typo negative fan, and I can credit yes. him. Yeah, I can credit you really for for getting me heavily into them because at the time. You know, of course, Guns N' Roses, you know, Green Day, but there was a lot of the the heavier, darker music that I guess wasn't into yet. Now, you helped me get into Tool and, uh, and Motorhead and, of course, Typo, as I mentioned. So, you know, I definitely credit you on um, being, uh, you know, influence on me on, on my musical taste uh, later on in my life. Uh, and also, and you're welcome. <laughs> yes. And uh, I also, and I've said this maybe in passing on the show before where I've had 
you know, like I have friends that listen to this podcast and I tell them not to because I just think, you know, cause, because they're, just because you're my friend, I don't ask people to listen to, to me ever. Even when I've been on different radio stations, I just – I find it weird. I'm just not that person. Maybe as far as, you know, what do you think of this joke or something like that, but I never ask anyone to listen. But the fact that you have listened to all 60 AFD shows is insanity to me. Uh, and maybe we've heard a little bit of the background noise. You put your that one, right on cue. Right, right on, on cue. Right on cue. Uh, little Finn, right? Someone, that's Finn. Someone took a, a nasty step off of his little capsule and he's very upset. Aw, is okay. So You're okay. This is gonna oh, be. Oh, you are okay, pal. This is gonna be there part of go. the show. Actually, we try to get. Uh, oh yeah. A bit of uniqueness to every single show, uh, not just with yeah, the guests. I have two. I have two production assistants with me. Uh, <laughs> yes. and, and Calder. How old um, are they? And uh, Finn's one and a half, and Calder's three and a half. Yeah, there we go. Unbelievable. And we're better. Unbelievable. And we're better. <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna be that kind of show. It's gonna be that kind of show. Oh. It's gonna be. Uh, it's oh, gonna yeah. be interesting. But uh, as part of, uh, so, you know, John's on here because he has been a fan of, you know, we've been friends, but mainly because he's a, a huge typo fan, got me into it. Um, and just because we've been talking about getting him involved, he's, he'll text me every now and then, like, stuff that I forget. He's like, do you remember when you said this on episode 35 or 40? And you listen like that. I know you've, you've put your kids to, to sleep to this uh, podcast sometimes, or it helps you pass the time by when you're changing diapers. So, so yes, you're, you're correct. Unbelievable. So uh, I, I do not leave, I do not live the lifestyle that you do of, of the rock and roll DJ. I do not live that lifestyle. Or a rock and roll podcaster. <laughs> I sit in a queue. That's even worse. For, for 40 hours a week, I sit in a queue. <laughs> um, and in, in an unnamed uh, building in, in Washington, D.C. And you're right. You've never asked me to listen to the show. We are friends. Um, we've joked that I've listened to you out of pity. We've <laughs> joked that I listened to you out of boredom. Truth everywhere. Yeah. But I genuinely enjoy, in the words of Officer Koharski, it's a fine little program. It's a nice little program. <laughs> From Wayne's World, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, so, I, and I, that means a lot. That really does mean a lot to me. Uh, so I'm glad to uh, have you a part of this show. You're calling from D.C. John and Kelly will be calling from uh, from Texas in just a little bit. But as uh, as co-host, that means you're going to be a part of news. Aren't you excited? Oh, I'm tickled. Yes. So uh, the first part of our shotgun news is that we need to, uh, of course, uh, thank Alternative Nation because we're we're featured on uh, on AlternativeNation.net. Uh, Finn is not part of it yet. This is going to be an interesting show, boys and girls. I took a step. I took a step stool away, so that's <laughs> bad on me. <laughs> this is going to be great. Uh, so um, with Shotgun News, Alternative Nation, we're featured on there. We're trying to create a, a podcast network. Uh, the AFD show is the first to join. And uh, I mean, even before joining, uh, what Brett, the uh, the owner of that, has has done and has helped me get guests like Johnny is transcribe my interviews and help you know bring more eyes and ears to the show. Uh, so the last episode, I'm still kind of stunned that uh, it happened. I really didn't think it was going to happen, but that was with, uh, of course, uh, Tommy Stinson, uh, episode 59, uh, bassist uh, from The Replacements, of course, from Guns N' Roses during a very unique era of GNR. 
Uh, so it was just really cool to talk to him about what he has going on now uh, with Cowboys in the Campfire. Uh, he's back with a Bash and Pop, uh, a, a cool event that he has. So a lot of, you know, what's going on with Tommy Stinson now. But we did get to talk to him about some uh, some GNR stuff, how he met Axel. Uh, his, his, he has a great relationship with uh, Duff McKagan. Uh, but the, the article that, uh, that Alternative Nation picked up, and I'm going to play a clip of it, is when I asked, and I've asked other guests this before, like, I think I asked this of Todd Kearns, you know, would maybe like Age of Electric open up for, for GNR or something like that. Uh, so I'm like, would, would, would Bash and Pop open? Would Cowboys in the Campfire open up for GNR? Because uh, when, when Not in This Lifetime started, they had a really unique array of opening acts. So, you know, whether it was Skrillex or Baby Metal or uh, Chris uh, Stapleton, so they have that mindset of trying, being unique. So uh, if you didn't get a chance to either listen to the episode or read the article from uh, Alt Nation, uh, this is what Tommy had to say when I asked him if he would ever open up for Guns N' Roses now. It would be funny, and I'll be honest with you, I actually threw that out there to him a while ago. Yeah? Because okay. I figured, hell, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? We're all still friends. What the hell? But, uh, no, I, I never heard back from that, which is which is fine. I can totally understand that they're doing their own thing and stuff. And Yeah. Well, <clears throat> well you never know. I mean, that's just— You never—anything could happen, right? <laughs> So you never know, but I guess I find it interesting because he he talked about he still has a great relationship with the band with GNR, and you know he that, that he asked, which is cool, uh, but he didn't hear back. So I guess that's kind of how that camp is. It's just one of the weird just things that surround GNR, like the lack of communication, even with your friends. You know, and, and Dizzy Reed has joked like he'll be the last one to find out about something when he's in the band. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that, uh, Stud? I'm not surprised. This is Guns N' Roses. It's you're, you ask even if I can imagine that Axel's parents have to go through four layers of people and security, and even if the message gets to him, I mean that's if his parents are still alive. I don't know. Yeah, but, no, no. <laughs> but I know what you okay. mean by an, like an you know analogy. what I mean. It's just, they're a band where even to the people closest to them, either the ones who have been member, former members, family members close acquaintances, everyone gets the same response. I'm not surprised. This whole band is built off. At this point, the myth is the band. The band is the myth. Mm. It's, a posit- it's mostly a positive. There are some negative points to that, as, you know, you st- we still, or you've been talking about this for 60 episodes with what's going to happen now. I, I think it was a smart move on Tommy's part. I think it's a, a very normal move on Tommy's part. Not surprised in the slightest. Yeah, I guess I'm not either, but I think it is cool that Tommy, you know, A, is, is still friends with everybody, but was willing to do something like that. So, you know, um, I, I'm hoping something does happen in the future because I think fans really would appreciate it. And uh, the last part of our Shotgun News, because I want to keep this brief because I want to talk to, uh, we both want to talk to John and Kelly for some time, and we want to ask him your questions that you submitted, and I'm saying not just to you, John, or Stud, so we don't get confused, uh, but the fans submitted questions on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but Jeff Rouse, uh, of course, from Duff McKagan's Loaded, uh, who was on the show uh, not too long ago, and of course, so was Mike Squires, our theme music, which is just, I still can't get over that he wrote our theme music. 
Uh, but the first video off his new EP is coming out this week as we're recording this. Uh, we're recording this, uh, yeah, April 22nd uh, off the Gemini. So look out for uh, new music from uh, from Jeff Rouse. So, um, yeah, I'm, I think I see the, the phone blinking. So that does it for us. So Shotgun News. Shotgun. News. You ready to talk to Johnny? Yes, and I promise not to fangirl. <laughs> and we'll see uh, how uh, Calder and uh, Finn react. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting interview, to say the least. Hello. Hi, Johnny. Hey. Hey, it's uh, it's Brandon. How are you doing uh, yeah. today? What's going on? And uh, just so you know, uh, on the phone with me, I have like a different co-host each episode. Uh, his name is right. John. Uh, John Muir. You can oh. say hi, John. Hello, John. Uh, hi, Johnny. <laughs> How are you? I think uh, John Muir, I got to call you stud for this conversation because it's going to get too conf- that, uh, confused. That works for me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, stud has his uh, little kids in the background. So <laughs> oh, nice. if you hear, uh, I don't know, uh, Pet Patrol or something going on. Uh, Johnny, just a fair warning, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and the one-and-a-half-year-old oh. just woke up from a nap. So. Oh, nice. I'm gonna. I won't drop out, but I will be on mute at some point. So, <laughs> if I come back and say what I, I miss, I'm not ignoring you. I know the drill. I have uh, now. My girls are 17 and 19. Right on. See oh God, I just lost my hair thinking about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I figured I at least uh, I'd warn you just so you know. Like, where is this happening? So I'm in Tribeca. I'm in the iHeart Studios, and John is in uh, D.C. with his with his kids. <laughs> oh, making okay. a, yeah, making a unique uh, you know atmosphere for this interview. So. All right, cool. All right. So uh, on the phone with us, as uh, Big John Stud and I have been talking about. And so is Calder. Which which one of your kids is that that's already? Finn. No, no, no. That's Finn. That's so Finn. my wife just actually is uh, going off. She has a couple of meetings this afternoon. I love it. And Finn and Finn just watched mommy walk out the door. So maybe we should. <laughs> we, we're, we should really do that over again. I don't know. So let me get in. The... Like that was funny. The minute you started talking. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, John? Hey, hey, hey. Should I restart that or is it private? We got your bottle. <laughs> My apologies. He's found. He's got his bottle. He's found Nick Jr. I think we're about to recover from this. Okay, let's read Yeah, let's read this. I love it. Get it sorted out, and then we'll do it over. This will be. This okay. might be the first for you, Johnny. Uh, having an interview with babies around. I don't know. Maybe it is. No, I used to do it with my little babies. What you would do interviews with your kids around? Yes, of course, I had to. All right, so you know what? Then I'm I'm gonna keep that. I think I'm gonna keep that part in. I'm not gonna edit this because yeah, it's a podcast. I can make it all nice and smooth. But you know what? I like the essence of live radio. Shocking about that at all to me. (laughs) And it's gonna be unique, especially for the listeners. Be like, oh, where am I? Am I in the on the train that LIRR, which you're familiar with, of course, being from New York? Where am I? At least we're not on a plane. No, no, we can go somewhere. Oh no, no, no. (laughs) Jeez, definitely not. Uh, so this will be the unedited part too. So with us, uh, in addition to Finn and Calder, uh, Johnny Kelly, <laughs> a drummer extraordinaire uh, from Hookers and Blow with Dizzy Reed, uh, Typo Negative, Danzig, Silver Tomb, a pale horse named Death, Kill Devin Hill, uh, Seventh Void. Am I missing any bands? My goodness. Uh, what do we got? Uh, well, we got Rex Brown, uh, Seven Witches. Uh, and a few cover bands in there too. <laughs> yeah, like how do you keep track of this? Like, is this all on your LinkedIn? Like, how do you keep track? You know of it? what? It, it's it's uh, you know oddly enough, it's a whole bunch of bands that don't work enough. Mm. 
<laughs> that's why I have to play in so many bands. Okay, that's what that was going to be. You know, one of the questions, of course, because I mean, yeah. this is this yeah. is so much. I mean, that's what in the last episode I spoke to uh, the Tommy Stinson about. I mean, of course, I mean he can live off you know stuff from the placements and GNR, but you know he has a couple bands now, and it's like, why are you still doing two? And that's only two, so that's laughable yeah. as far as you're concerned. Uh, <laughs> it, well, it seems like a lot on paper, but it really isn't. It really doesn't seem like that, like that much. I, I guess. I mean, I I can only go I mean, by I'm what you tell me. I'm not patting myself on the back. I find myself with a considerable amount of downtime when you take into, you know, when you when you when you look at all the bands that I that I'm uh, like, you know, like associated with. You would think that I'm constantly on the road. Right. Not the case. Hmm. <laughs> not the case at all. All right. Well, we're gonna find out all about you, what you're doing when you're not on the road, if when you're doing when you're not in a band, when you're, of course, when uh, all your new stuff coming up, what it's like. Uh, of course, since I mean, it's a Guns N' Roses podcast, what it's like working with, uh, yeah. with Dizzy Reed, all that fun stuff. But uh, with the case, with every single one of my interviews, it's always about you. It's about the person because we like to find oh. about the cast of characters these uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, Gene or Bacon. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Did you see Dizzy was doing gigs this weekend with uh, Joe Perry and Brad Whitford? Yeah, I did. I did. Were you there? Isn't that insane? Like, how? Like, that's that surprised me so much. Like, Dizzy just popped up playing with, you know, essentially Aerosmith or, you know, at least two bits. <laughs> yeah, of it. I, I heard that Tom Hamilton showed up at one of the shows, too. Wow. Did you attend to any oh. of them or no? No, no, I'm in Texas now, and they uh, they were playing. They were, they were from what I saw, it was like three gigs in the in the uh, Northeast. So okay. they were in uh, they were in Atlantic City, like last night or the night before. Oh, okay, I didn't know where it was. Oh, if I knew that, I would have made the the trip. I would have had I been home. Had I been back, you know, back east, I definitely would have gone to one. What are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I can only amount uh, imagine the amount of of people you've seen and played with in your life. So <laughs> the fact that you can still get you can still get wow. Is is still pretty uh, amazing. Oh yeah, I still have like you know like the things that I grew up on that are like you know that that were that wowed me you know and I'm uh, fortunately enough it's kind of like a double edged sword like a lot of those people I haven't had the opportunity to meet mm-hmm. so I still have that perception of like you know who they are or what they are like you know through their music. Oh okay. You know there's still like that myth. Like, you know, meeting them and finding out that they're like, you know, A, regular people or that they're assholes. Right. So Steven Tyler is still the guy in the poster for you, essentially. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. That's so So, cool. That was cool. Like, you know, like I was uh, texting with Dizzy uh, day before. I was like, how is it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so like, what did he he say? What was his uh, text? If you can share. Uh, he, he He just said that it's awesome. You know, he's, he's getting to play with those guys, guys from Aerosmith. And uh, it, I think it started out the story. Um, I believe Alex helped put that together. Like Rossi. those guys, like Joe Perry was doing something uh, like, you know, whatever, had a couple of gigs and they were looking for a guy that played Hammond. Oh, wow. And Dizzy's, Dizzy's name got thrown into it. And then soon you know it, Dizzy's on a plane going to like Boston or something like wherever they're they're based out of now he was at rehearsals with them and stuff and they were he was playing shows with a bunch of guys from Aerosmith 
Unbelievable. <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. mentioned, uh, you know, Alex, Alex Grassi. He's been on the show uh-huh. a couple times. And I think now with you, because we've had Todd Kearns on before, other than Dizzy Reed, I think, and we had Chips Enough a couple episodes ago. Okay. I think we've had all of Hookers and Blow. I think uh, other- there's a lot of them over the years. If you, if you look at that, if you look at that family tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people. <laughs> the menudo of cover bands, maybe. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, that was cruel. That was absolutely <laughs> cruel. Hey, they gave birth I, to Ricky I, Martin. Of worse. <laughs> by my wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can only imagine, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll talk about, you know, Dizzy Reed uh, all, and all that fun stuff coming up. But uh, we want to character build you, and this is just a, a cool opportunity uh, for both uh, Stud and I to talk to you, big uh, typo fans. And I had just right seen uh, Danzig. Um, are you still with them? Because I saw them, what was it, maybe like last fall at the Paramount on Long Island. Were you with them? Yeah, yeah, that was me. All right, so then I've seen you live, because I never got to see Typo, so I've seen you live officially. Oh, okay, yeah. What yeah, an awesome I, show. I've been playing with Glenn, geez, on and off now since 2002. There was like a couple of a couple of uh, spurts where uh, I wasn't able to do something because Typo was busy or something like that. There was only been a couple of tours or whatever, and then uh, after he did the uh, Circle of Snakes record, he... he uh, called me back and asked me if I wanted to like, you know, you know, play with him again. And that was in like 2000, I want to say 2005. Okay. And I think I've missed one tour since 2005. Awesome. And we're going to get to, I like to do it kind of like a, like a book. Cause I want to get to when, you know, when you met Danzig, what that, what was that like and all that fun stuff. Okay. Uh, but what, what ties us three together right now is the, the Brooklyn background. Okay. Um, that's where I was born. I like saying I'm a Brooklyn Jew more than a Long Island Jew. It just makes me feel better. <laughs> in China. Well, they like you know they they are born in Brooklyn and then they moved to Long Island. That's, yeah, that's, that's part of the Jewish pilgrimage. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, I moved when I was one and a half, but I still count it. So my family's yeah. from uh, East Flatbush, uh, Mill Basin, and and Stud. Where was your your family from? So my gr- uh, my maternal grandfather was born in born and raised Bushwick. Um, Okay, but the but the Roman Catholic uh, tradition is very similar to to the Jewish tradition. As I don't even remember when, but my grandparents moved when they got married. They moved out to Suffolk County. So hey? there, it's, it, you you go to, you were born in Brooklyn, you move east, and that's how it works. Right. Um, the Italian but then my parents Island, but then my parents left Brooklyn to Staten Island, and then they reached the promised land of New Jersey. <laughs> oh, okay. We won't ask you about any mob yeah. ties. That won't be any questions for me. Yeah, I went the other way. Okay. Yeah. No, you went. Uh, you went west instead of out east. So, is that where you um you grew up? Or did you grow up in? So you grew up in Staten Island, or did you grew up in Brooklyn? Where are you from exactly? I grew up in Brooklyn. I uh, I was actually I was born in Ridgewood. Okay. I was born in Brooklyn Jewish Hospital. Hmm. Okay. That's where I was born. I forget. I, I'm not sure what they call the hospital now. But yeah, my parents came from uh, like Bed Stuy, Bushwick, around there. Uh, my grandmother lived when we lived in Ridgewood. I believe at the time Ridgewood was considered part of Brooklyn, and then somewhere along the lines it became part of Queens because it was right on the Queens Brooklyn border. Okay. And uh, my grandmother lived in Ridgewood on my father's side. And my mother's parents, my 
lived in Flatbush. Okay. And then when I was like three, four years old, three and a half years old, somewhere around there, like in, around that age, we moved to Flatbush with them. So it was like I, 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 was, uh, I grew up right near Brooklyn College. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, right next to Midwood, close to Mill Basin and stuff like that. And uh, so you know the area. Oh yeah, I know. I know Mill Basin very well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think my my grandparents before they passed, they were the last uh, house on that block. Like they were in that house for like fifty years. You know, before you know by Kings Plaza and all that. Well, you have listeners everywhere. They're like, "What are you right. talking about?" But yeah, I, I know exactly what, what you're talking about. After. Uh, we lived in Flatbush for, for my family lived there for like 20 years. And then they, my family moved closer to Kings Plaza on Avenue O, Avenue O, uh, East 52nd. I was Avenue U. Yeah. I love it. We're talking New York here. See, we got to found a very Brooklyn. Yeah. (laughs) I know like, you know, like all of us, when I lived in Flatbush, uh, Josh and Peter lived right by Midwood Field uh, near Morrow High School. Okay. In uh, Midwood, Kenny lived off of, uh, well, when I met Kenny, he was living off of uh, Kings Highway and like Nostrand Avenue. Right on. So you, we, you could walk. We could all walk to each other's homes. We were all walking distance from each other. See, I like that. I like setting the scene because we, with each person that we, we speak to in an interview, it's kind of like, where did you come from? And it's, you know, the people who are musicians and look up to you and like your music. It's, you know, the, everyone comes from, obviously everyone comes from somewhere. That's a stupid statement for me to say. But it's like, what's the, what's the path? It's a very tangible and reachable path that can come along. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like the neighborhood where we grew up in, from what I understand... Because I was I was friends with uh, like uh, I guess like one of the first bands from the neighborhood was like Riot. Okay. They were from that that part, like you know, kind of near Kings Plaza, kind of near like uh, if I'm not mistaken, around like the Flatlands Avenue Flatbush area, which was you know just a few blocks away from where I grew up. I was I grew up with uh, Rick Ventura's nephews, who were closer to my age. Okay. And uh, then after that, uh, like uh, bands like Biohazard, Life of Agony, Typo, we all come from the same, literally the same neighborhood. I know. And that's, that's what, that's what I, I identify with and I like. So what kind of uh, kid were you? Did you grow up liking metal? Like what, what, uh, what did you? Oh yeah, did... I, was, I, was, I was pretty much indoctrinated by my father. So was, you know, a rock and roll kid. Uh, you know, like my nursery records were the Beatles and the Stones. Okay. That's what my father raised me on. Uh, uh, between my father and my uncle, my uncle's older than me. Uh, you know, I actually, I played in a band with, with my uncle when I was older for, for a few years. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it actually, yeah, it was. It was a trip. My uncle, he, he's like one of the best guitar players I've ever played with, too. And I'm not saying that just because he's my uncle. <laughs> he, was, he really was a great guitar player. Uh, it is. He still plays. And um, uh, uh, he turned me on to, like, you know, some more other stuff, things like Zeppelin. My father liked Zeppelin a little bit. He had a couple of records in his collection, but not too many. But, uh, yeah, my father raised us on, like, you know, like the, the Stones, the Beatles, 
uh, Bowie, Rod Stewart, uh, Aerosmith, uh, Leonard Skinner, uh, a lot. I mean, and even other stuff like you know, because my father was only was only like in his twenties. He was nineteen when I was born, so like a lot of the stuff that huh. he was into, you know, he was young. And so he would come home with these records, and then I would just start listening to them. My father got me into Kiss. And uh, they were like that. That was like, you know, once that was uh, once I saw like, you know, once I heard Kiss Alive, that that pretty much changed everything. And I was only like seven years old. I feel like I missed out. I mean, I don't know about you, Stubb, but I really because I grew up with with Kiss being already established. We've I mean, despite it being a GNR podcast, Kiss is brought up uh, quite often. Um, but I grew up with them being established already. I didn't, they weren't, there wasn't any lore. They weren't evil by that time. So when <laughs> talking to people of, of your age or older um, who found, you know, Kiss Alive, I just feel like I missed out. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I was young. I, I think I was only, I don't know, I was like in the second grade. Mm. And then, you know, yeah, to me, Kiss has always been a brand. That, yeah. As well as a band. So, yeah, well, that like, yeah. you know, like when you, you know, when you're eight, nine years old, you're not really thinking of it as a brand. You know, you, you're looking at them as like, you know, like larger than life or like, you know, like superheroes or something, you know, like right. they literally had comics. So. <laughs> no, you're right. And that's some that's the, the comparison we do is um, like brand like because Guns N' Roses is a brand, of course, with the past members and current members and reunion yeah. and all that fun stuff. And we had to talk about the brand of typo negative and all that, that stuff. So, I mean, it all ties in <laughs> together. So when you were kidding, I mean, you were introduced to all this great music. Did you always, I mean, were you drumming on pots and pans as a kid or like what was? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. My brother wanted to be Ace Fraley and I wanted to be Peter Chris. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> uh, there was a guy, uh, I want to say guy, I bet, I'd imagine at the time he was all of maybe like 16 years old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure, when you're young, it's like, oh, who's this old right, fellow? Yeah. I mean, he had a, you know, he got me into cars. He had a car, like, you know, he drove and stuff. So you had to be at the time at least like 16, 17 years old or so. And uh, he got, he had a drum set and he was like, and he lived down the block from us. Like, you know, he lived, he lived on the same street and he was like, you want to learn how to play drums? I was like, absolutely. It's my chance to be Peter Chris. <laughs> why, why drums? Why, why Peter Chris? Like, why not? It's just what I, I, I couldn't give you a, a, a straight answer. I have, I have no idea. That's just what I gravitated towards. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted, Faith. I wanted to play drums. All right. And, uh, yeah, that was it. You know, that, that was, that was the one that, that I wanted to do. And, you know, he, I, I took a couple of lessons from him and stuff, and uh, my brother would come with me, and he was picking it up faster than I was. <laughs> I was getting more frustrated. But I was about to ask that, yeah. I, yeah, I, I took a couple of lessons from him and stuff, and then, it, like, uh, you know, he would do things, if you wash my car, I'll let you play my drums, like, you know, <laughs> things like that, yeah. Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah or, he I'm, would, or he would, like, you know, he would, like, take me to go... Uh, I was like 11 years old and he would like take me in his car and he's like, I'm going to go talk to this girl. He goes, if you say anything, I'll never let you play my drums ever again. <laughs> and and then he would like tell the girl, yeah, you know, I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm, 
you know, I'm keeping an eye on Johnny. You know, his sister just died recently, and, you know, it's, it's been really, like, you know, messed up at his house. And, oh, I feel so bad. Oh, you're such a good person for doing this, and blah, blah, You know, he, he's using me to try to get late. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So then what kind of, like, student were you? Did, were you, I mean, could you pay attention in class? Were you drumming on your notebook? Did you always know you wanted to be a musician? A I, got a, I got in a lot of trouble for banging on my desk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got in a lot of trouble for that. Uh, I got more in trouble from, from my mouth. I was always a smart-ass kid, you Me know, too. trying to have the last word and, you know, trying to be funny and, you know, just being, a, I guess, a general, you know, pain in the ass. I can understand that very well. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, as, yeah. Once I, got, uh, once I got into high school, um, I mean, it was just by chance that it was like, you know, a friend of ours, one of the guys that we hung out with was taking guitar lessons and actually played in a band. We, I had no idea. I used to hang out with this guy every day. <laughs> had no idea that he played in a band. And he just brought it up in a conversation one day. He was like, yeah, I forget if they kicked their drummer out or if he quit or something, you know. And he's like, oh, you know. Just talking about like I guess like you know trying to find another drummer. At the same time, I'm like, you play guitar? (laughs) (laughs) That's some really good friends then. Yeah, (laughs) and um, I had mentioned that I had like you know played drums a little bit you know when I was you know younger. You know, I took some lessons, and he was like, "Why don't you come down to the studio?" And I was like, "Well, where's the studio?" And there was a rehearsal studio literally around the corner from my house that I had no idea about. They don't, yeah. It's all phase, it seems. Yeah, and that's the studio where I wound up where all these people, like Life of Agony and Biohazard and Typo and stuff like that, that's where all these guys, that's where we all met each other. Oh, wow, okay. Because, it, you know, there weren't too many, like, rehearsal studios for bands to go play at. There was just a few in Brooklyn. So pretty much everyone knew everybody. Like, you know, if you were playing, you know, pretty much everybody was playing in metal bands at the time or like, you know, hardcore or whatever. Um, Everyone knew each other. And uh, so then, yeah, I went down, I went down to the, to the studio and played with them and stuff. And they were like, Oh, you're in the band. And I was 15 years old and I've been playing since. Wow. So that, that technically of course, like you said it is, it was your first band. Uh, Do you remember the name? I don't think I didn't even think we had a name. <laughs> the band with no name. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I was just excited to be able to go to a studio and literally, like you know, like literally go into a room and there's a drum set there and I could play it. <laughs> Did you feel like right then and there? I mean, obviously you fell in love with the drums and like with with Kiss and uh, that like this is going to be my life. That I'm, I'm... I was like, yeah. At that point, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Cool. So if you well then what was your what was the path to since you, from that band I guess well, what, that's technically your first band even though whether it had a name or you don't remember it or whatever yeah. uh, my second band yeah uh, my second well like my second band was like with my brother like a year later okay <laughs> yeah, like a, play with who you know a few months later and um, I mean shortly I hadn't even been playing drums for two years I was playing in a band with Evan from Biohazard. Okay. We played in a band together. That's how I met him. And uh, all local shows? Was, Did you travel at all? With we didn't even we didn't even do shows. We were 15 years old. 
<laughs> kids just like literally learning how to play. True. And uh, like, you know, yeah, there was like a bar that you could play that was like by Brooklyn College. And like, you know, we, you know, basically like, you know, practically like sneak in to play because we were all underage. Sure. I mean, you could have played, you know, um, like the tennis court or during recess. You, you never know how. You, you'll see old videos of, you know, people playing uh band. I think there was one of Green Day playing like lunchtime, you know, at their college. Yeah. The school, the, my high school, they didn't have anything like that. You know, they, they didn't, uh, you know, there, there wasn't that kind of uh, environment. You know, like, a, you know, whatever. You had long hair. You pretty much didn't fit in anywhere. Yeah. So, you, you, know, it was like, you know, all the kids that had long hair and motorcycle jackets and stuff, like, they all, we all hung out in one spot in the school, and everybody else pretty much left you alone and, you know, rode you off. You know, I mean, I had friends that were, like, you know, whatever, jocks and, you know, friends with girls and, you know, things like that. But as far as, like, you know, like that kind of environment, you know, that was outside of school. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I remember, I was just telling my, my daughter this story. I wanted to, at one point, I wanted to take band in school. And so I go to the, the music director, who happened to be the dean, so he already knew me. And I walk into his office, and he thought I was in trouble. He's like, what would you do now, Kelly? They, used to, they all called me Kelly in school. <laughs> hmm. What happened now? I was like, I want to join band. And he's like, what? And I was like, I want to join band. I want to, I want to play drums in band. He goes, can you read music? He was like, and I, so I told him, I said, no. He goes, well, then you can't be in band. I was like, isn't that what school's for? Well, are you supposed to teach that to me? It's <laughs> you know? answer. Yeah. And he's like, no. Nah. He goes, you have to be able to read to, to play in band. So that was like the closest I got to like any kind of like formal education with music. It was all pretty much passion driven. That's awesome though. But that sucks for your, that that's your teacher failed you. I mean, you, you, I mean, you, maybe he was looking at like one of your smart ass answers, but that's the right answer. Like, at least help me. You're, you're, you want to join school and you want to be in this, uh, right. I want to participate in like, you know, to be a part of it and to, you know, like apply myself and he was like, "Oh no, can you read?" And I was like, "No, that's that's what you that's what you're for. <laughs> that's, that's what school's for." At least give you advice. How to read? I was like, "I want to learn how to read." <laughs> oh my god! I'm assuming now you know how to read music, or no? You're still passionate. Very little, very little. Like you know, up to this point, I really haven't. You know, it, it hasn't uh, been anything that's been required of me. Thankfully. I can read it a little bit, but like, you know, to be able to walk into a session and just pull up a chart and just start reading it and playing it, it's no. Hmm. No, I couldn't do that. Well, you, you know, if 16 year old me had heard this, uh, this part, I would have felt a lot better about trying to pick up any instrument. <laughs> I am, I have, every time I've tried to pick up a guitar, nope. It's like handing, you know, fine china to a gorilla and everything just breaks and it's just, it's very sad. But, but that's, this I mean, you know, very, that, that, this is, that's, this is seriously inspiring right now. I mean, that's the part, you know, it's like, you know, you, you gotta, you have, I mean, A, you have to want to do it, you know, and it's like, you know, like the part, you know, like nine out of 10 times, you're not going to just pick up something and automatically, you know, be great at it. You know, it, it takes work. 
it takes work. It takes dedication. You really have to apply yourself. And, uh, you know, and it was just something I just wanted to do it so bad. I was determined to learn how to play. And that's that pretty much it's just what I did. You know, like after school, I try to go to the studio, like, you know, whatever. I mean, the studio costs money. And so it was like, you know, try to get money from my, you know, from my parents to, you know, to, you know, go play in the studio. You know, that was the only time I ever got to play at it. And I, I couldn't afford a drum set. And if I could afford one, there was no way my mother was going to let me set it up in the house. Hmm. That was out. You know, so it was like, you know, if I wanted to play, I had to go to the studio. Yes, and it was that, that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to, like, you know, I wanted to do that and go to concerts. What was your first concert? Do you remember? Uh, Kiss at Madison Square Garden, 1979. That's, that's a yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a first concert. How old were you? Was, uh, I was 11. I was on the Dynasty Tour. Okay. Yeah, my dad got us tickets. And, you know, he took my brother and I, and we had, of course, we had our kiss makeup on. <laughs> cool. Cool. And we were on the news. Like you two specifically? Like, you know, that was like the height of like, you know, the kiss hysteria. And so the, the local news was covering the shows at the garden because they, whatever, they played like a few nights or whatever. And so when we got to the, when we got to Madison Square Garden, there was like a bunch of people, the, the, you know, the, the reporter was talking, was interviewing, you know, kids fans. And when we got there, they were like, get the kids on TV, get the kids. And they just pushed us right into the front of the camera guy. And it's on YouTube. Really? <laughs> I kid you not. I'm going to have to look that up and post that. Look up. Uh, like the tag on it is uh, Kiss Newsreel, like 1979. And there's two kids in Kiss makeup, and they're like, you know, it's like a, it's like a real quick uh, blurb. And two kids with really thick Brooklyn accents. One of them's me. <laughs> and they show it. I just saw them on there, and I'm like, Kiss is number one. <laughs> Kiss T-shirts. Kiss buttons. Kiss hats. Kiss lookalikes, the young fans, some as mixed up as the music. Kiss is number one. All right. I feel embarrassed. Nah. Which one was you? Kiss is number one or I'm embarrassed? Uh, my, I'm embarrassed. That's my brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Perfect. All right. See, look at me. I can multitask, too. You said you're getting dressed while doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, too good. Too good. Awesome. That's gold right there. <laughs> That's gold, Jerry. That's gold. That's gold, Jerry. <laughs> gold! <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so what would you consider your your first, like, I mean, these are obviously we talked about your first couple bands, but what was your first real band, if I can use that word? Uh, I guess, like, the first real band was probably with, with Kenny. We played, we, uh, I met Kenny when I was still in high school. And uh, we had like a, it was like, you know, like thrash metal, speed metal. We, we called it Hellraiser. We had the band together for a couple of years. We only did a few shows. And uh, through that band, that's how I met Josh from Typo. Okay. That's how Kenny met Josh, too. Okay. Josh was a neighborhood guy that had a, a recording studio in his house. He would do a track recordings. So everybody that wanted to do a demo would go to Josh. And that's that's how we met Josh. That that was like in the mid-80s. The beginning of Typo, right? The year, a few years before Typo. 
Well, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm using yeah. it loosely, like the beginning, the formation of like, you know, like uh, for comparison for our uh, our podcast, you know, before there was Guns N' Roses, there was Hollywood Hollywood Rose, it was L.A. Guns. So those right. were the, the beginnings of. Uh, so. The beginning of the beginning of typo, like, you know, of course, starts with Peter and Peter had a carnivore. Hmm. And that band, they were like, you know, I guess like the neighborhood, like, you know, rock stars, I guess. Hmm. Like, you know, like they were, they were like, you know, whatever the bigger band and, uh, you know, like they were a little bit older and stuff and they had records out. And uh, uh, Sal and Peter actually started Typo. Because Carnivore had broken up and Sal had approached Peter about playing, you know, about starting a band together. Right. And that's how, that's how Typo started. And then Sal brought Kenny into the band because we all used to hang out, you know, like Sal, I know Sal longer than I know anybody than I know Kenny. Hmm. And, um, Peter brought Josh into Typo because they were like, you know, he wanted to use keyboards and stuff like that want to integrate keyboards into the sound as opposed to like you know what carnival was doing carnival was just a, a three-piece band they weren't the uh the drab four yet no no they were they were the thermonuclear warriors <laughs> <laughs> what happened to all these great band names like we're discussing now everyone now is yeah. you know death cab for cutie or I don't know, well, you know like you know like, i guess like you know a lot of stuff you know it's like you know you run out of you know, like all, all those cool names to take, and you got to come up with something. I, I guess, but, you know. You know, you reach, and you'd be like, you know, I, I guess some of the bands are like, you know, what's the most ridiculous thing we could call this band? And then, you know, some, you know, along the lines, if you play out enough and you get associated with it, it just sticks, and then it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't have any significance anymore. I think that's what the Foo Fighters is. I think Dave Grohl's like, that's the dumbest name ever, and that wasn't supposed to be right. the name. <laughs> you know, that's probably what it was, you know, probably like, you know, what can be like, you know, like the most removed thing from Nirvana. Right. Or Chickenfoot. Yeah. That's another stupid name. There's a lot of it. Jimmy Eats World. Or, <laughs> I, wrestled, I wrestled the bear once. Has to be the most ridiculous name ever. <laughs> I wrestled the bear once, sure. Or I... we, we butter the bread with butter. I think that's the name of the band. Wow, I have not heard that one. I've heard I wrestled a bear yeah. once, but I have not heard that. <laughs> yeah, sure. We, we, we butter the bread with butter. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the name of a band. That's a real band. I, I can't imagine why they're not famous. Uh, neither can I. I've been scratching my head. Mm. <laughs> like carnivore, typo negative. You know, those are just awesome, yeah. awesome names. So what was the, the transition from, because I, I know you weren't there for the formation of typo, unless you were kind of around as a friend uh, that you can tell. I was about. around as a friend, yeah. So did you see the formation of Typo and how they they became big? Uh, or maybe you can take us back to the first time you met the, the late and great Peter Steele. Uh, I'm, I used to run across Peter in the rehearsal studios. Like, he would be there with, with Carnivore, and I would be, you know, rehearsing, you know, with whatever band I was playing with and stuff. And then I wound up working, like, when I finished high school, I wound up working at that studio where we all knew each other. So I, I knew everyone that was coming in and out of the coming coming in and out of the building. 
<laughs> I was there all the time. That really was fate for that being around the corner, that studio. I mean, literally around the corner. It was right next to the the the, the bicycle shop. So, like you know, you, you know, I was always on a bicycle when I was a kid, and I'd always go there for stuff. Always going into the bike shop, and literally the door right next to it. You went upstairs, and there was a rehearsal studio. I had no idea. Is it still there? Actually, it just clo- it closed like two years ago. Okay. Jeez. It finally closed down. Damn it! Mm-hmm. All these things are closing. Like I, like I was just at BB uh, King's, uh, and that's closing. That's like I just saw that. I just I was in Manhattan last week, and then uh, when I came when I came home, I saw the announcement that they're closing it down. That's terrible. That is. I, I, you know, being from here, I finally went. I went went to go see uh, Buckethead, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe I've ever been here. What a great venue! And then I just get like the email blast from them. The final, you know. Ten shows. It really is. It really is a good venue too. It's a really good sounding room, which is unfortunate. Mm. It's it, which makes it unfortunate that it's closing. Sure, but Forty uh, Second Street, man. That, that real estate, you know, it's like you, you have to have Disney money to, like, you know, <laughs> to set up a shop. <laughs> nice, well played, well played. Uh, but this goes back to uh, meeting Peter for the first time, uh, and this we right. can contrast this uh, to I'm five six and stud. How uh, you're you're six four? How how tall are you? About six four, six five. Yeah. So yeah. so how tall in, are you? In, in awful shape, by the way. <laughs> if we're going if we're going to compare ourselves to Peter, I am in terrible shape. I mean, I'm my my waist is disgusting. But anyway, oh, you're, he's not that bad. Jeez. But uh, it's, you know, I'm like a little kid. It's like being, I'm like the ventriloquist dummy next to Stud. So how, <laughs> how tall are you versus how tall Peter was? I'm 6'2". Oh, so you're Peter tall. Was, oh. uh, Peter was 6'6". Uh, six, six. Okay, so it was, that was no big deal. He, he had a few inches on me for sure, yeah. Did he have, I guess because that was going to be my segue, because it's not too bad. Uh, like what kind of presence did he have? Because he was... You know, not just with his voice. You know, we're talking about cartoon characters and superheroes with Kiss. He was kind of like that as well. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, like, you know, like, he he had a commanding presence. And uh, I, I always said this about him because, uh, like, for me and for, like, Kenny, you know, like, we could go anywhere and I guess, like, assimilate, like, you know, like, whatever, you know, after a show, you know, we could go hang out at the bar and, you know. You know, just hang out. You know, Peter would step out of the dressing room or off the bus. There was immediately a crowd around him. And that was like, you know, that he would tell me like the craziest stories of just like, you know, him going to the store up the block from his house. And uh, like he, 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 he was like, you know, he was like this, this, this thing trapped you know, that a normal person was trapped in it mm. <laughs> inside of him. And he just wanted to be a normal person and he couldn't mm. Every, anywhere he went, you know, it was always, he always became uh, like, you know, like uh, he always commanded your attention. He always had this presence and he really did. He just wanted to hang out. You think and, that affected like, him? That, that cause just to be, just to fit in. I think, I think, uh, you know, like, I know, like, as a kid, like, uh, he said that he was a, he was a heavy set kid and he got teased a lot. And, uh, you know, uh, with that came, uh, you know, the, the self-deprecating humor and the, um, and I guess like the outlandish character, like, you know, 
he he was he, he really was like a class clown. Hmm. And like a like you know him him and Josh like literally grew up together as children. Like you know playing with army men in front of the house and like you know first girlfriends and all that stuff. They literally grew up together. And uh you know, like they would tell me like all the crazy things that they did as kids and this you know, like, you know, they these they they weren't normal kids. <laughs> Those are the best kind of kids though, I think, because I don't feel yeah, like I don't normal. know. I think I think there was something in the water supply onto their street. <laughs> like, you know, the, maybe power lines were too close to the sidewalks or something. I don't know. The secret of the ooze somehow got in there. Yeah, but there was a they were not normal. Like in terms of like, you know, normal, well-adjusted. <laughs> hey, I identify yeah, but, with that as well. I'll believe yeah, So they're like, you know, I guess music was a, was a, a proper route, you know, for Peter. And it was, uh, you know, he was able to, you know, be whatever he wanted to be, to pretend to be anything, mm. you know? And then ultimately like, you know, like a lot of it was he became himself and, uh, but yeah, I mean, like you know, like as far as like you know, like bands visually and stuff, he could he could do whatever he wanted, and he wasn't, you know, it was okay to be the you know the freak in the room. You know, it's funny because it's not even so much like the freak in the room because uh, Stud could attest to like every single girl that I've ever met that was a type of negative fan was always like ridiculously hot and, and obsessed with the band. So it's like the... we were fortunate in that way. In that <laughs> It, did, it, it didn't suck. Calder agrees. <laughs> Finn, Finn, oh, Finn. I'm glad you're happy now. All right. Yeah, I I, I'm going to back uh, Brandon up. There was there was always something like, you like this band? You look like you do, and you like this band, and you're going to talk to us and have them as the topic? This is... This is <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it was cool in a way, because, like, a, you know, like, a, you know, throughout the years, I, you would encounter people from all walks of life. You know, like, uh, you know, successful, like, you know, doctors and, you know, lawyers and stuff like that, right down to like, you know, you know, street hoods. And they, you know, they, they, it would be like, you know, like your class stopped. It, it didn't matter because then you had that common denominator of like, you know, they, they like the band. So they, you know, so that, so I, I always, I was always impressed by that. Isn't right. your most random famous fan, I'm blanking on his name, the, uh, the traffic reporter for Channel 11, WPIX Channel 11. Because there were times... How about John Del Giorno from ABC? Yes, exactly. John's one of my best friends. Like, be, listening, it's like, I'm in my dorm room. I'm like, I'm not driving anywhere, but okay, this channel is still on. Why did he just name drop? Why were we talking about October Rest today? Uh, <laughs> flying over uh, the BQE? I don't get this. Yeah. And then all to find out, like, he... Did, did he play, did he, like, I don't know if like jam with you guys, but like it was more than, like he was not only a fan, but there, he did have some musical background and then was just so big of a fan of you guys. He just ended up. No, no, John, John doesn't play. No, he doesn't play. He was just a fan. And then uh, I met him. I actually met him. I met him and his wife at like a seven dust show. Hmm. And uh, he just came up, introduced himself to me. We hit it off very well. And then uh, our families have gone on vacations together and stuff like that throughout the years. When I was in New York last week, I went to his house, like where I lived, uh, where I lived in Jersey. 
uh, was like 10 minutes from his house. So, we, you know, we'd always hang out. And, yeah, he became really good friends with Kenny. He was good friends with all of us. He was good friends with Peter. And then sometimes, like, you know, if we had, like, a, like we would do, like, fly-out dates. Like, we went and played at Nam one year. Like, you know, he came and hung out with us for a few days. And, you know, like, he would come and, he and his wife would come out, you know, whatever. If we were playing in Vegas, because he likes going to Vegas, they would, they would come and hang out with us in Vegas and stuff. And then he'd wind up helping us out in some kind of capacity. <laughs> wound up getting put to work, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's because Typo Negative was was and still is one of these, the the coolest bands that I mentioned before. That's, you know, Stud really got me into into them because I was at that time. I think it was uh, I made it, you know too much pop punk. I think at the time Jimmy Eat World, you know, too much of that stuff, and uh, he needed to right. make me a little bit more evil. Yeah, you needed a correction. I did, and thank <laughs> and I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, John and I were uh, Stud and I, so I don't get it confused. So we're talking off air, yeah. and this can lead to. Um, you know, one of uh, Stud, your first uh, questions for for Johnny was the the Beatles' influence, and you had that growing up. And when you eventually took over for Sal in Typo, and I was kind of thinking it, it's kind of like how you know Elton John is for for Axel, you know, a little bit because you may, I mean, you may not hear it in every song. Of course, the piano based songs we're going to hear the Elton John influence, but the Beatles' influence on you know a band like Typo, you know how. How does that happen? You know, how do you put that into the music? Uh, for us, like, you know, like, you know, between the four of us, you know, we're all into like, you know, musically, we're into, you know, different things. You know, you know, everybody has like, you know, their, you know, their bands that they're really into or whatever. And, you know, it differed between the four of us. But the common denominators between the four of us was our love for the Beatles and Black Sabbath. And that was, you know, that was always something, you know, like whenever we were like listening to music on the bus or whatever, you know, like uh, there was always, you know, like if we put those on, we can all agree on it. But um, it was it, it was trying to, you know, like those those influences were the most uh, prominent ones in our music. And we, you know, we, we were totally fine with wearing it on our sleeves. You know, we were like, you know, this is what this is, you know, this is the end result of, you know, being influenced by this. And we had no problems with like, you know, owning up to it. And it was, you know, we were trying to, you know, in a way, I guess, like, you know, like we were celebrating, you know, just the stuff that we loved, that we loved growing up. And, uh, you know, like it, it gets twisted around and it becomes, you know, like our own thing. But those were those were the, you know, the dominant influences when we were making music. Even, even like, you know, like drum parts and like, you know, approaching, you know, trying to take the, the approach to something like, a, you know, like a whatever, like a Penny Lane or Strawberry Fields Forever and like trying to apply that in, you know, the, the context of typo negatives music, you know, it was, it became like, you know, it, it would almost become like a joke and like, you know, some of the stuff that like, you know, when, when it would get, you know, like when a song was finished, I'd be like, man, I can't believe we didn't get sued for that. <laughs> That's funny. You know, but it was like, you know, it was something. It was like, you know, like we, you know, like, uh, for instance, you know, like we would work on songs. And it, it wasn't just like, you know, the Beatles and Black Sabbath. There were a lot of influences. Sure. You know, from, from all of us. And it would just become like this soup. And, uh, you know, when we were working on songs, 
you know, writing new material. And before, like, you know, the songs would be, I guess, like, you know, whatever, before they had actual titles or, you know, things like that, we refer to things as like, you know, do the Motorhead song. You're like, you know, let's run through that. Because it had like, you know, whatever, had a Motorhead vibe to it. So then it was, it became that until, you know, the, the lyrics were all fleshed out and it had, you know, more of a, you know, a direction of our own. But like, you know, you, we would refer to things, you know, like that. But, you know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a conscious effort where they're like, all right, we have to write a Beatle type song now. Like, you know, the record needs, you know, uh, another Black Sabbath type riff or something. It's just really, this is what came up. And it was just like, you know, then it would become like, you know, to us, like, you know, like, it would, you know, something would like, you know, click on in the song and it'd be like, you know, this is pretty obvious of, you know, where it's coming from. I mean, you guys did a couple of, uh, um, I mean, you've recorded a few Beatles covers and you've opened, uh, when I got to see you guys in New Haven, um, 2001, right? I can remember that year. Uh, you guys opened it back in the USSR and it fit, it fit really well. Even, you know, yeah, like, you know, like through, that's through, the, through the vibe that you guys put out, but it fit very well. And then, like looking at, like looking at the more carnivore, you know, inspired and based, and just that sound from the first two albums, and going into October Rust, and then, you know, there was a there was a shift with uh, World Coming Down and Dead Again that there, not that there was a, I can point to, okay, thi- this chord, this drum section, it was a, the scope of the songs, the structure of yeah. the songs had a very much more melodic like, you know, mid to later Beatles feel to it. Well, that was like, a, you know, like, I think that was like, you know, as, as the records, you know, as, as the band went on, it was, uh, the, the band found more of its own identity than being the remnants of what Peter was, what Carnivore was, you know? Like the first record, the first record is pretty much, a, a lot of it is leftover stuff that Peter had written for Carnivore that he didn't, that he wasn't using for carnivore, hmm. you know, and then the band broke up so that there's that connection between, you know, like past and present up to that point. And then, and then it, then it started growing a little, and then it took a, a drastic change with bloody kisses, but it doesn't feel that like, to me, it doesn't feel that that far removed from the first record because there's still stuff on it, you know, like we hate everyone and uh, like, you know, kill all the white people and stuff. And then, and, 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 but a lot of the songs have more melody in them. And then it met it, it like, I guess like the apex of it was like, you know, with October Rust, which is probably the most melodic record out of all of them. Would you say that is the first stamped of a stamp of approval typo negative record? I would think bloody kisses was, I'd have to say bloody kisses was. You know, that, that was the one that really, like, uh, like it, that was, that was like a really big step to go from slow, deep and hard, you know, musically. That was, that was a really big step, I thought. Like, I remember, like, you know, hearing the demos and stuff, and I was like, you know, it's like, wow, this is pretty drastic. What are they trying to do? <laughs> you know, like, what, what, you know where, where are they trying to go with this? And, you know, then I, I wound up being in the band, but, but as a fan, you know, at first it was like, you know, it was pretty, 
that was a pretty big change, you know, musically. Hmm. But you could still feel there was like, there was definitely like, you know, the DNA is in there. And then, you know, by the, by the end of, you know, by the time bloody uh, October Russ came around, it's pretty much the band has its identity now. Like, you know, it's, you know, like there's, you know, the culmination leading up to that is like, you know, it's, it's, you know, very, uh, very apparent and it, it very much stands on its own as far as like, you know, like what kind of band typo is to me, to me at least, you know, for sure. Um, and then, mm-hmm. and then the other, then the other things like, you know, like typo had, had found it's, it's, uh, you know, like it, it's, yeah, it's real strong, uh, identity found it's found it's sound. And, you know, like ultimately what was important to us was not so much what we were doing, but whatever we did sounded like typo negative. Not typo negative trying to sound like somebody else. Not typo negative trying to sound like The Cure or, you know, Celtic Frost or, you know, Duran Duran. Or, <laughs> okay. Or Black Sabbath. But, I mean, a lot of that stuff, all that stuff is a big influence sure. on you wouldn't. I wouldn't think, you know. I definitely wouldn't have thought Duran Duran, but no, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, okay. You know, it was like, you know, like we we're a sum of, like, you know, it, it's a sum, like, you know, you pretty much become a sum of your experiences, and this was a lot of the stuff that, you know, that was influencing, you know, Peter's songwriting. You know, Peter loved a lot of that, like, you know, 80s pop stuff. Hmm. We took a lot of that. We took a lot of those things and put it in a different application. And that's, you know, I'm not going to say that's the, you know, that's the secret sauce to the Big Mac, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) it it was part of it. You know, it it was. It was just all those things, like, you know, played a part in, in some capacity. Some, like, you know, some played a bigger part than others, but... And I think, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of that can go back to the Beatles. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Right now I'm imagining Peter at a Duran Duran show singing Rio at the top of his lungs. <laughs> it would be a sight. <laughs> <laughs> but don't think for a minute, you know, Peter absolutely loved Duran Duran. <laughs> All right. Point taken. Absolutely. You know, if you yeah. can uh, if you can answer, because, you know, I've, I've spoken to different, you know, people on this podcast when they've dealt with with loss you know i've talked about loss that i've had you know right. uh do you remember you know i would like, can you talk about uh where you were uh when it was announced peter had passed i was um i had a uh, the night before peter died kenny and i went to go check out a, a rehearsal studio in staten island because we were getting ready to start uh, the writing sessions for the next record. We were getting ready to start start working on the next record. We needed a place to rehearse. And uh, Peter was living out in Pennsylvania. And he was preparing to move to Staten Island, right where Kenny and I lived. He was going to live literally like right between us. So, so you had the th- three out of four of us right there in Staten Island. So we were looking for a place. We found this studio in Staten Island where we could do like uh, monthly rehearsals. Where we'd be, you know, our own room where we'd lock up and we can go there whenever we wanted. You know, like that kind of scenario. And uh, we tried, I tried calling Peter while we were at the studio to tell him that we, that we found a place. And this was this was in April. This was yeah, the day before that, the day before he died. Peter was uh, taking his place May first. 
he was moving back to New York on May 1st. And so we were arranging to take the studio on May, you know, starting May 1st as well. And so anyway, I was, I was trying to call him to tell him that we, that we found a, that we think we found a place that, you know, that, that might work out, you know, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I didn't get him on the phone. And then, uh, I left a message for him to call me. And then I tried calling him again the next day. And, uh, his, uh, his girlfriend answered the phone saying that Peter was uh, sick in bed. And, uh, I was like, all right, you know, fine. I was like, you know, tell Peter that we, uh, that we found a, we found a studio in Staten Island right by where we live, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We get it May 1st. Uh, tell him, I hope he's feeling better. Uh, call me when he's, when he's up to it. And then I had rehearsal with Kenny and Seventh Void that night in Brooklyn. And uh, I had gotten a phone call from a Long Island number, and I didn't know who it was, so I let it go to voicemail. That was like, that was in the, uh, like in the evening. And then I, when I got in my car to go to Brooklyn to go to rehearsal, I was like, let me, you know, they, they, that person left the voicemail, so I was like, let me check it. Anyway, it was Peter's sister. And she was like, you know, uh, call me at this number when you can, you know, uh, thanks. So I called her up and she was, you know, I was like, hey, what's up? Johnny, return your call. What's going on? And uh, she was like, you know, Peter's gone. And I was like, what do you mean by gone? Like, you know, like, because like with Peter, you never really knew what to expect. You know, I was like, gone as in like, you know, he disappeared. <laughs> like that kind of thing. You know, like, did he go like, you know, like whatever. Did he have a relapse, go on a binge and now he's in trouble or, you know, whatever. You know, last thing I was thinking of was that he was, that he passed away. Right. And I was like, "What do you mean by gone?" And she's like, "He he's gone. He died." I was like, "What are you, what are you talking about? He died." And she was like, "He you know he died. He died like whatever it was like whatever like you know a couple of hours prior." And uh, I like you know like whatever I was like in a, it's basically like a state of like you know disbelief and you know shock and. And uh, I was like, uh, all right. I was like, you know, well, what do you need from me? What do you need me to do? You know, whatever. And, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, whatever, make some phone calls. I'll tell people, you know, like, you know, whatever you need me to do. And uh, so then, you know, I like, I ran back upstairs to tell my wife Peter died. And I was like, I got to go to Brooklyn. I got to go see Kenny. And I, I jumped in my car. And I went to go see Kenny and I was trying to call him while I was, I was like calling people while I was driving. And then Kenny called me and was like, you know, Peter, I was like, yeah, I know. And then he started yelling at me because why didn't I call him? Oh. <laughs> it was like, you know, one of those things. Sure, I was like, I said, I'm going to see you in a few minutes. I was just going to tell you when I was at the studio, I was like, I'm calling other people, you know? And then, uh, and then that was like, you know, that was it. You know, like I called Josh, I told Josh what was going on. And uh, and then it was, you know, then it just became that whole, you know, like that whole, you know, like everything just stopped. And, uh, you know, it was really hard to like find out what was going on because he was in Pennsylvania. That, that I remember, like, you know, like his sisters really didn't have a lot of info on, you know, how he died and, you know, things like that. 
you know, they were just like, you know, he's dead. And then, you know, like they, his sisters called me from his apartment, like, you know, asking me about some stuff, you know, about belongings and things like that, you know. And, uh, you know, at that point, you know, like I was pretty much like, you know, like with people dying, like, you know, I had, you know, I was kind of like punch drunk at this point because like I had at that in that particular time, I had been to like, you know, like 10 funerals in a year and a half. Wow. You know, my, my father died a year before. My grandfather died a year and a half before. And then like, you know, like other, like, you know, uncles and friends, uh, friends of mine, like, you know, the friends died. Other friends died. We were literally at another funeral, all of us at another funeral two weeks later because one of our other friends passed away. That's a lot. You know, so, so like a lot of it was just like, you know, all right, what do we got to do? You know, we got to, you know, you know, like when, when I'm in a situation like that, I try to like, you know, take care of business, you know, like, you know, try to, you know, tie up all the loose ends and all that stuff. That's, that's how pretty much how I process this kind of stuff. Okay. You know, so, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, it was like, you know, uh, you know, keeping in contact with his family and stuff and, you know, finding out what's going on, you know, stuff with like, you know, I guess like, you know, things like, his, you know, like his funeral and stuff. And they were having problems getting Peter into Brooklyn because it was uh, because he died in Pennsylvania. And then there was issues with that, like, you know, just getting, you know, getting his body transported. Right. You know, so there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on until, you know, he was finally buried. But it was like, you know, it really was. It was like, you know, you just caught in like a, you know, just, you were just caught in a shit storm. Well, I appreciate you sharing the, the story with us because I, I mean, I'm not trying, I don't want you to relive it, but obviously as fans. Oh, and, no, no, you know. it's fine. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's just hard. Like, you know, you, you got to try to find the balance of like, you know, just, you know, like telling the story, like, you know, stating facts and like, you know, you know, uh, you know, like whatever, trying to keep like the emotion, the emotional element out of it. Like, you know, just telling the story, like, you know, here's what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I understand. And, and, and like, you know, like, I can't believe it now. Like, you know, I turn around and here it is, 2018. And it's like, I can't believe that it's like, you know, it's it's been, it's been a long time now. Mm-hmm. It has been a while. And, it's incredible. You know, and the fact that you still have the fan base that you do, and I think you tweeted out the other day, you know, all the messages you still get about him, you know, he's certainly yeah. not forgotten, you know. I mean, not just by us, because we're talking to you now, but, you know, by still millions of fans. People still love your music, you know, his music, you know, you know all of it. It's music. true. I, 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 like, you know, like when you're, you know, it's, you know, it's one thing, like, you know, like, if you, when you see, like, you know, like, whatever, I guess, like, you know, other bands or other artists and stuff like that, and you see how, like, you know, like, whatever their legacy, you know, carries on, you know, like a, like a Prince, for instance, or mm-hmm. something like that. And then, you know, like, you know, like, in our situation, you know, I don't, I never really take a step and look at it because it's it's like you know it's like you know like one thing to like you know witness it or like you know like to you know be a fan of something and then it's like you know like when you're in it you don't look at it you know you don't really ever look back you know you don't look back and say wow like you know look at you know look at what we did you know 
I mean, you know, you tell war stories about, like, you know, about stuff, but you don't really, you know, sit back and, like, I guess, like, you know, take inventory on, like, you know, like what you've, what you've accomplished and, you know, like, and what it means to somebody else. Right. You know, you're just looking at it, you know, like, in your own, like, you know, you're, you're in the middle of it looking out instead of being out looking in. You know, this is like we talk about a lot of bands. Uh, we've talked about a lot of bands in the show, other than, of course, Guns N' Roses and GNR hasn't had that specific loss. I mean, we could talk West Arkeen, but I'm talking, you know, actual right. like members. Yeah. You know, when, like when uh, Chris Cornell had passed, uh, when Chester Bennington had passed, you know, and, yeah. you know, it's my thought of, and I had this good conversation when we interviewed Christopher Thorne from uh, Blind Melon, and they, Weren't, I was asking, you know, when they found their new lead singer, were they looking for a band? Were they looking like to reform the band? What were they? What was the process? Right. And it just yeah. kind of just happened naturally. And you know, he says now he just tours his Blind Melon because he loves the music and he, these are songs he didn't get a chance to play um, because Shannon had passed and he's actually losing money because um, he, he would made more money as a producer and a lot of, and, and uh, a lot of people have different reasons for different things. And now the current one is with uh, Stone Temple Pilots, and for me, right. you know, I, I certainly can I I, I understand because I've talked about my um, my addictions. You know, I'm two and a half years without a drink. Uh, oh, good deal. Thank you, but uh, I'm not looking for a thank you. But I'm like, this is I'm just saying it as far as you know. Uh, I you tell you're nice enough to open up about it, so that's how I feel like yeah. as a you know as a host for lack of a better word. You know, I feel right. like it adds more. I'm not just asking you questions. I'm sharing. We're having a conversation. So, yeah, with, so with uh, you know, STP, and, and when when Christopher Thorne talked about STP, is like whatever those guys want to do, whatever their healing process is, you know, uh, that's that's on them. But when it was first announced, and I've heard, I've heard other fans uh, say that it just feels like it was too soon, you know. Um, so, but it's again, you know, I like when I lost my my dad. You know, it's like I can understand, you know, the sudden loss of, uh, of a suicide. I understand that. And how we, everyone uh, handles it differently. Mm -hmm. So how did you handle it? Did it ever occur to you guys and the other band members in, in typo negative to, because, again, how do you replace Peter? How do you replace Scott Weiland? How do you re replace Lane Staley? Yeah, you know? I, of course. You know, like, uh, Actually, for us, it was just like, for us, it, it was literally like, you know, like a two-sentence conversation. We were like, you know, that's it. Mm. <laughs> that's it. There's like, you know, there, there's no recovering from this. This is like, you know, like, and you can't, you can't take that element out of typo negative and call it typo negative. You can't. You know, it, you just say, you know, it's just, it was a no-brainer to, to move on. Right. There was never any like, well, you know, you know, maybe we could do this. Maybe, you know, it was, there was never any of that. Um, there have been discussions about like, you know, like, you know, we've been approached about like, you know, doing some kind of like, you know, tribute or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but even that has been like, like, you know, like, where do you start? Like, you know, like, a, you know, who, who can come in and like you know like you know do something you know like like with typo and make it cool? 
and make it credible and make it like, you know, make it something, you know, interesting. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, Peter was, uh, he was too much of a character. It's not like me dying. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, you could, you could bring in another drama and stuff like that. Like, you know, like type O negative, you know, Peter was such a, a character more than just a singer and bass player, you know, and that's, that was very much, you know, like Peter, the person was, a much bigger piece of typo negative than just, you know, than just the mechanics of it. You know what I mean? Sure. And that's, you know, those thoughts have happened when people talk about, you know, about Pantera, you know, quote, reuniting, who would you do with Zach Warner? Yeah. His name is Stone yeah, I, I know. And it's like, you know, and I'm like, you know, like you can't, I would never, I would never, ever, ever consider doing a reunion. You can't do a reunion. Okay. The reunion requires all the members to be there, you know, particularly alive. Right. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. No, I, I completely understand, and that's why I use the analogy with it. Mm-hmm. And and when somebody when someone passes away, that's a big part of uh, like you know like you can't reunite with someone that isn't here anymore. <laughs> And, and so no, uh, I, I, I'm appreciating you adding humor into it. Uh, so we don't, we shouldn't expect a Peter uh, Steele uh, hologram. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people were doing. They tried it with Dio, and they stopped it. Um, it was kind of weird. I mean, as much. I mean, it's unfortunate too, because like you know, like I, you know, like you know, for me, I miss typo. You know, I miss, I miss the music. I miss playing the music. I miss the guys. You know, like. I miss making music with the guys and stuff. I, I miss, like, you know, that, that part of my life. You know, I miss that part being in my life. Mm. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter who you can get. Like, you know, like, you, you could try to bring somebody in to try to, like, you know, like, fill that gap. Even if, like, even if they are, like, you know, whatever, I guess, like, you know, technically capable, it still wouldn't be the same. Brandon had just mentioned what Allison Chains is going through, and there was a stretch where there were. Granted, they have a different situation where they have Jerry Cantrell, who can step in for Lane Staley, but they they brought in James Hetfield for uh, for a song, Phil Anselmo going back to Pantera. Um, yeah, like something like that. I know that. Yeah, but it, that was a one-off, and that like was that, a I mean, either not a. I don't want to use contrived, but it was a specific circumstance, and it was a friend that they knew that was not going to be the same, but at least would put, okay, this is a friend of the band who everyone knows and is everyone is comfortable with that will do an honest effort on the track. Right. And something like that, that was more of like, that's like a, like to me that like, you know, like with something like that, that's a celebration of, of lane. That's not somebody coming in and trying to be lane. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it does. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and at the time, at, like you know, at the time, they, that was like a one-time thing. Which something like that, I would be open to. Like you know, if it was done right and it was the right setting and it was the right people and it was for the right reasons, I would totally be into like you know, like celebrating typos music. You know, celebrating Peter. Mm-hmm. Something like do, doing something like that and taking that like on the road. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that would be that. That that doesn't seem like a like a good idea. 
So no Marky Ramones Blitzkrieg, but the typo negative version? I'm sorry? Marky Ramones has his Blitzkrieg. And he goes out and he's he's playing drums. He has oh, okay, whatever right. musicians he has. Right. And he, he, it's a tour, and they, it, I, I saw him do it, and he had Andrew WK on vocals. And again, it's that same. He's not Joey. He'll never be Joey. Right. But there's something yeah. about putting Andrew WK in that role that made sense in the moment. And it was a full. I think that tour went on for like a year. So that oh, was really? a. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a designed. I don't, I don't want to say it was designed to be monetized, but then again, what you were saying about you're in seven different, 17 different bands right now, you kind of need to have some sort of revenue going, which everyone <laughs> on this show makes part, understands completely. Um, but that was, that was by design to take Ramon's music on the road with someone who spiritually fit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, some sometimes like you know, like some people, like you know, some bands have been able to to do it, and it and it has that um, uh, it has that integrity to it that that there's a certain amount of credibility, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I just like you know, like with our music, it's like I just couldn't imagine who could come in and and. And like, you know, it could like, you know, like, it's like one thing to like, you know, like it, it, it would be wrong. Like, I wouldn't want to do it to like, you know, recapture the past because I mean, you can't. Um, but like a celebration of, and again, like, you know, the, with what uh, Christopher Thorne said, he loves, he missed playing that music, you know, and you miss playing that music. So, you know, yeah. while Blind Melon is touring and doing something different, uh, it, it you know, it can just be a, a nice moment, you know, for not just the musicians involved, but for, for the fans. So I think that's a positive, you know, um, that's, that's, that's a good thing that you're saying, that like, at least that hope is out there. I mean, it's nothing materialized, but uh, the fact that that music still means so much to, to you after all these years as it means so much to me and to Stud and all the other fans out there. Yeah, I, you know, like I've, I've you know, never made any, like, you know, like never tried to hide the fact typo was like one of my favorite bands. So it was like, you know, when I, when I joined the band, I was like, I just joined one of my favorite bands. I was like, this is, this is great. So, you know, like everything else after that was, was uh, like, you know, was cake. <laughs> it was the icing on the cake. I, got you. Know? I was like, like when I when I heard the band, I was upset because I wasn't in it <laughs> when I first heard it. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I was mad at Kenny because he was in such a good band. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So then, when I got the opportunity to join the band, you know, I was like, it's like you know, like I, I, I nobody was happier than me. Mm-hmm. And and to have been in the band, like you know, for as many years after that. You know, it was it really, it was, you know, it was, it was a gift mm. and, uh, you know, it had its ups and downs just like anything else. But at the same time, like, you know, it was, uh, you know, I always loved being in the band. I, I loved what we were doing. I was always, you know, I was proud of what we were doing. And, you know, when it was over, like, you know, it was like, I, you know, I lost a really good friend, but also like, you know, like something that was like, you know, like the band, like, you know, the music and stuff. I was like, that's it. it, it it's never going to be there again. 
you know, that, that part, that part of my life is gone. Well, I'm glad you've you've continued still your your life as a drummer, and we mentioned the you know the 1,200 bands that you've you're in currently and yeah. and, and since. <laughs> uh, but this is an interesting um, time to now make a transition to to GNR and all the, you know, like what Axel did and maybe what Steven Adler did and, and is doing now with going on the road just playing GNR music. Of course, there hasn't been any losses in that Appetite Five and right. a full reunion could still happen. Uh, but before we get to that, maybe your thoughts on it. When did you first meet Dizzy Reed? Because you've been playing with Hookers and Blow. That's been your post, one of your things you've done in your post type yeah. of life. Yeah, actually, I, right now, right, I've been playing with Hookers and Blow, what, like four years now? Right. I started playing with them on their 10th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> but I had met Dizzy, I met Dizzy like in, when Typo was touring in 03. That's when I. That's when I met him. So where? How did you meet him? Did uh, I don't I know, did Gino through, ever uh, tour with Typo? Did they ever do anything together? No, no, no. Okay. There was never anything. We met Slash and Matt Sorum once when at a rehearsal studio in uh, in L.A. We were on tour with Nine Inch Nails, and we 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 had a day off in L.A. and we were we were. Uh, Getting ready to, we were going to go on tour again after we were done with Nine Inch Nails. So we were working on adding other songs to our set. So we we wanted the, the, the day of rehearsal. And they just, Slash and Storm were at the studio. And I think they, mind you, this is 1994. So <laughs> I'm trying to remember. This is a long time ago. I got you. I was 11, not to make you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was 12. They, <laughs> they, were, they were in another, they were in a studio across the parking lot. Uh, we were rehearsing, like Slash came over to the truck and like grabbed a bunch of shirts and split. And Matt Storm, I remember we were playing the song Pain. We were working on putting Pain into the set. And we were, I remember just like Matt walked into the room and he's just like watching us play. And then there's the part where Kenny and Peter lift up their guitars and they scream into the pickups. And then it comes through the amps and stuff. And I remember when we were playing that and then Josh with the jackhammer samples and all that stuff, he was just sitting there with his jaw open. Hmm. Like he was, he, he had no idea what he was witnessing. And that, that was it. That was it. That was, that was our meeting with Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So then, when did you meet um, Dizzy and then join his band? I met Dizzy through uh, Happening Harry. Happening Harry. Yeah, which was a guy. Harry's out in L.A. and he would have like you know he was a promoter at this club and he would have like these jam nights and he'd have all these people from different bands you know, come up and play a few songs together. And uh, I met Dizzy through Harry. They came to one of our shows and uh, they were trying to, Harry, like, you know, they were trying to get us and they were like, you know, saying, you know, I got Dizzy Reed with me, you know, like we want to, you know, we want to come back and meet the band. And our tour manager knew Dizzy. He goes, I know Dizzy. And so he went and checked it out, and it was, you know, it was legitimate. And so I met them afterwards. At a, we went to a bar where they were playing after our show in Hollywood. 
uh, got up and jammed a couple of songs, whatever. And then Harry would put these trips together to go to like the Chicago area, go out there for like a week and like, you know, play different bars and stuff, you know, all covers and, you know, you know, get people from different bands like uh, me, uh, Jeff Duncan from Armored Saint or like, you know, Mike Duda from Wasp and, and Dizzy. And, uh, we did, we would do that like, you know, every couple of months we were going out. This was like in 04, we would go to Chicago for a week together and, and just play. And we play like, you know, like the Stones and Bowie, and, you know, the Black Sabbath or, you know, like whatever. We were playing like all these different songs, Deep Purple. And then we did that for a little while. And then I hadn't seen Dizzy for a while. And then Guns N' Roses got back together, you know, like the, with the lineup with Stinson and, and Frank and, uh, you know, Robin and those guys. And they uh, ran into him a couple of times during that. And then Hookers and Blow had some shows lined up in the Northeast. And Duda had called me asking me if I wanted to do it. And of course I said yes. And then that was it. You know, been in the band since. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there was no uh, pitch to you? It wasn't, you know... Because what other bands were you in at the time? Were you all about you know, wanting to make original music? Or was it a chance to play oh, no. with Izzy well, well, and just play... Like, you know, hookers and Blow is what it is. Like, you know, you know that, you know, it's it's... You know, we're just going to go out there. We're playing covers. We're going to have a lot of fun, you know. And, uh, that you know, like I, I knew what Hookers and Blow was about. And, you know, it's the greatest name for a band ever. So, of course, <laughs> I had to be I had to be in it just to be co- just to be connected to that name. OK, you know, I'll explain it to my kids at some other point. But, <laughs> <Not now>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, for sure. And I'm sure uh, Stud that Calder and Finn do not listen to any Hookers and Blow lullaby music because I know. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I will say that we we do have each kid follows a different uh, parent down their musical track. So I have Finn. Um, I do know that he likes Mastodon, Ozzy, and what was I listening to the other day? Um, band called West by God from West by God, Virginia. Um, okay. They don't exist any. They don't. I don't think they exist anymore. Actually, they don't. It's my friend's brother's band. But he sits in the back in his car seat. You can see him. He'll occasionally like, flap his arms during Mastodon. I've been during the new Mastodon album. He's clapping. Um, <laughs> and I'll text my wife and go, "I got him," because uh, the older one is on a Taylor Swift kick. My younger yeah, one, just like Taylor Swift and stuff like that. You have two yeah, daughters. More pop and, <laughs> and you said they're what, 19 and 17? Yeah. Okay. Three and a half and one and a half. I, I've, I have, I've got my hooks in on the one and a half year old. My wife. When the girls, when, when my girls were younger, they actually liked a lot of this stuff. Like I, I got another <laughs> one. I bought her Chinese democracy as a Christmas gift when it came out. Really? She wanted it. Yeah. Well done. That yeah. is well done. Out of all the uh, the GNR, I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, Chinese Democracy, but of all the GNR 
records to buy her and for her to ask for. I think that's pretty amazing. Did you go to any of those shows? Because you, you were friendly with Dizzy when uh, they re- you mentioned uh, rejoining. I, I went to what the first time I saw them play was when they did a, they did a few nights at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah. I went to one of those shows. And then uh, Danzig played at Rock on the Range when Guns N' Roses played. Okay. And I ran into Dizzy then, and I I saw the show then, too. So what did you think? Because, I mean, obviously we've established the difference. You know, you, you, you lost somebody. Versus a band just breaking up and whatever the bad blood is, what is your perception of that? Do you think of it? And that's how I kind of look at life now. Where you know I've suffered great loss. You know, every it could be fixed. You know, it's you can't get that back. You can't get Peter back. You can't get something. You know, a person back. But if they're right. still around, you know, did you just enjoy it as a show, or were you thinking, you know, I I kind of wish this was what it used to be or did you have any of that thought process really like my honest my my gut my gut feeling with all of it was i was happy for dizzy that dizzy was playing with the band again that they were playing because it was like you know there were a lot of years where it was like you know they didn't know what was going on and or you know like a lot of that stuff you know so i was glad to see that like you know like 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 you know dizzy you know hanging in there and like, you know, staying in the band and stuff and, you know, doing, you know, like being a part of it. And then, you know, the record finally coming out, I was happy that the record finally came out for him, you know, as well as like, you know, for everybody, you know, it was was a cool record, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with that record. (laughs) No, but but, record. I I think so too. Like, you know, like the expectation, like, you know, the standard that it's held up against, where it's held up to, is kind of like, you know, like what, what kind of hurts it, you know? And like, you know, but all the, you know, all the stories that come along that are also a part of it, like, you know, like with, you know, with how long it took for the record to come out, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. you know, but as far as like a record, you know, it, 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 it's a, it's a really good record. Sure. And that's, that's great. I hear I, that a lot from uh, other fellow musicians who are there for their friend. And, and that's yeah. just that's you look at it through those goggles. You know, I'm happy for my friend. So that's uh, that's what yeah. I mean, here. like you know, I was happy. I was happy for Dizzy because, like you know, finally after all the years of, of like you know working on that record and you know like a, a lot of the ups and downs that came with that whole thing. You know, I was happy to see that it that it that it worked out for him. Sure. And then when I saw the band, the band sounded great, you know, and it's like, you know, like they you know, the songs, the, the songs they're playing, they're great, iconic songs. And, oh, you know, like they, they, they did a great job with it. So this can also lead to, and, and Stud, maybe you can read them since Stud is, I mean, yes, he's my friend, but he's also a fan of the show. And sometimes I'll bring on fans to co-host and they'll read uh, Stud, who's online Me. with us. Oh, oh, the other yeah. John. I'm no, not... I, I, I didn't hear. I didn't oh. hear it clearly. I wasn't sure. That's why I wanted to double check. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know it's weird yeah. calling uh, uh, you know a friend stud, but he's just a. That's I don't. I don't. We we'll talk about how he got into his uh, his nickname <laughs> another time. I guess. It's actually fairly clean. Of all the of all our friends and their nicknames, my mine is uh, on the cleaner side, which is nice. Well, Big John Stud, <laughs> right? Yeah, the wrestler. I was. I had long hair. Shaved infrequently, wore flannel, and was just generally large. And the kid who lived door next to me, I was coming back from class one day, he just goes, 
hi, Big John Stud. And like three people <laughs> just had that jaw jaw dropping. Holy shit! Usually, you wind up with a you with a uh, a nickname through some like you know like traumatic event or yeah, something, <laughs> something like you know making fun of you in some way. <laughs> oh yeah, this was the this was one of the least traumatic uh, situations. Yeah, but it wasn't because you're a ladies' man. I know. That's my wife. <laughs> well, this is the transition, what we're talking about now. You know, how you're happy for, for Dizzy, and the, finally the record came out. So, um, you know, having a fan on in stud, uh, read fan questions. That's just how I kind of produce the show. Oh, it may make sense. Down, for the love of God, get so, away from that. He's okay. What? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love it. We, we start the interview, John, where a kid's screaming, and now I'm giving a uh, stud another platform, and his kids start acting up again. You can't. Yeah, he's smiling this time. This is organic. Um, this is an organic. Yes, yeah, it's very organic. All right. You can't fake first. this. But this is the transition, no. yeah, to, to Ken's question about, like, what, about Dizzy. So go ahead, uh, stud. Ken Bigora from Long Island. Has Dizzy played or discussed any recordings or of unreleased GNR songs to the band? And would that happen during the Chinese days when he talked to you about the record before it came out? Uh, no, no, no. Everything was like, a, you know, like it was, you know, like a, for the most part, like, you know, a lot of stuff with GNR. It's all like, you know, like a, like small talk and things like that. You know, you know, nothing, uh, you know. Nothing TMZ worthy, or you know, like we, you never. I never heard anything. Dizzy never really. Dizzy never had any uh, had any uh, tracks with them. Like not even like you know reference tracks or anything like that. Okay. You know, like really, what we're doing, like when we're hanging out, is we're talking about like the Stones. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, that seems to be pretty consistent. You know, when I've spoken to uh, the other members of Hookers and Blow, and how it was just. You know, um, it was just kind of, if you would, would even talk about Gino. I think Don Jameson would even say that, you know, about the recent Tories. Like, we don't really even talk about guns. It's just. We I talk more it, about rat. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. To be a fly on that wall. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, we have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> that, that van is our, that, that van or the bus or whatever, that's our safe space. Oh yeah, the, the 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 Partridge Family bus that you guys are on yeah. with the cocaine on the yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too good. So then I don't know if the next question, Stud. You want to read from Garrett? I don't know if you could if that would be on the same par uh, as the Dizzy talk. So go ahead. Garrett Smith from Texas adds: Did Dizzy and Todd ever share interesting or funny slash stories around him? Or did you? Uh, do you have any? Because uh, I know you met Slash that, that brief instance when he came into the uh, studio. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't even say a word to him. Like you know, like he doesn't. He, he never really. Like you know, there really isn't too many stories like that. It's always like you know, like whatever, like a, a war story or something about like you know, like a crazy situation. Like say that they were like all in or like you know, not so much there was anything that was like ever like you know like singled out or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, Eric has a good question. Johnny, I'm assuming your birthday is March 9th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Eric Michael Haber of Buffalo. Johnny and I have the same birthday, March 9th. With his upcoming project, Silver Tomb, will they play any typo songs with vocals or at least instru- instrumental versions? Any chance of, this is a multi-part, any chance of Josh getting involved? I met, uh, Eric says he's met John, you a bunch of uh, times since 95. 
always uh, a nice dude. Looking forward to see Silver Tomb open for Life of Agony in September. Oh, that's right. Oh, I guess the first there. is, will there be any typo in the uh, uh, upcoming uh, Silver Tomb? You know what? There's, there's a chance of it. Uh, Kenny and I did it with, uh, we did it in uh, Seven Void. We played like a little piece of, uh, like, a, uh, like when we were touring in Europe, opening up for Monster Magnet, we played a little piece of um, World Coming Down. Uh, when, uh, but yeah, I mean, like you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. You know, if if something fits in the set, that's like you know, that fits along the lines of you know what what the band's doing and stuff. Then yeah, I'm, you know. I'm into it. Josh will not be a part of it. Josh does not play music anymore. He's he's now paramedic for the fire department, and that's that's his gig now. Wow, good for yeah. him. You know, he, yeah, yeah, that's he hung up the keyboards. Oh yeah, he hasn't he hasn't played since Peter passed away. Mm. Because of, or he had already been switching over to the new. Uh, career? I, I think. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's safe to say because, you know, because when Peter died, that was it for typo negatives. But um, he uh, he was, um, my gut's feeling, and uh, again, like, you know, like this was never really, you know, we never really discussed it or anything like that. But I, I always felt that, like, you know, Josh was, like, moving towards being, like, the Brian Wilson of typo negative. <laughs> Please explain because I'm I'm I, I'm my be- I'm not up on my Beach Boys right now. Okay, well uh, Brian Wilson, like you know, he stopped touring with the band and would just work on the records. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And then the band would go out and tour, and I I, I had a feeling that's where Josh was going towards it. I got gotcha. you. All right. Uh, All right. Last question from George, and you can skip over the uh, the GNR part because I asked that before. George Savage of Long Island. <laughs> Must have a okay. ton of great Peter Steele stories from playing uh, drums at Typo and being their drum tech. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of crazy. Like I said earlier, like you know, Peter would have like the craziest stories. Like you know, he's like there was like a corner grocery store at the end of his block, and it's like he would step out. He would just walk to the store, and something would happen to him. He got mugged. He got like, mugged. I who? I don't know by who. I just remember him telling me one night he was like, yeah, "I got mugged yesterday." <laughs> he had like a dollar on him or something like that. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, Peter's like the guy mugged me. <laughs> Do you have like a maybe like a, a quick like funny positive uh, Peter Steele story that you can think of? A funny positive story? Yeah, I mean, other. I mean, we all know of you know him on, I mean, on Jerry yeah, Springer. Like the- My next guest is the lead singer of the popular alternative band Typo Negative, but he will also. He will also be featured in the August issue of Playgirl magazine, for which. For which he posed nude. Did you guys make fun of him about, you know, being in Playgirl and, you know, the fact that the size of his, his yes. dick is everywhere, you know? <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, when he got approached to do it, I mean, it's been mentioned in the press before, but like, you know, when he told us that, like, you know, he was, you know, said that he got this offer to, you know, being Playgirl and we were all like, you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> You have to do it. And we were like, you know, people will talk about that for years. It was okay. like, think of the press. <laughs> we had no, no one was expecting, like, you know, like we were just thinking like, you know, like, uh, you know, like, like girls will buy, play, buy and play girl, not the other Democrats. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Did you read it? Did you look? I mean, of course I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> it, was always, it was always awkward when I had to autograph it. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you had you had an autograph, Peter's. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, they'd be like, "Oh, can you sign here?" It's like, "Can, can I just sign the cover?" Because <laughs> it's oh, no, it has to be on the centerfold. Yeah, I need your autograph the centerfold. But you're not like, Peter oh, to on. do that. That's so funny. That's that's really funny. And pun I mean, intended, I mean, that's he ballsy. Took it, he took it in stride. You know, of course, he took it in stride. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was funny. It was funny. It was awkward. It was you know. It was perfect. It was typo. Oh, two. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And here it is, 2018. People are still talking about it. Absolutely, and and we've been talking for quite a long time. And I mean, I appreciate all the time you've you've given us. But oh, it's cool. I wouldn't uh, want to let you go without you talking about what you have going on now. What we can expect from Johnny Kelly, uh, hopefully in the me- in the immediate future. Well, well, yesterday I I just did a I just did a drum tracks for Silver Tomb. Okay. We just uh, all the drum tracks are done. Uh, they're well, they're recorded, and um, so now whatever you know, got to do uh, you know the editing, this you know make the make the stems and stuff so that they can get sent up to New York, where the uh, the guys can you know finish finish the record. But uh, next for me. Is uh, Hookers and Blow has shows here in Texas next week. All right. Two weeks. Two weeks? Like the weekend of Cinco de Mayo. So first weekend of May. Mm -hmm. We're playing here in uh, Dallas. Mm -hmm. And then we're playing, we have two shows in Houston. And then after that, the next thing that I have is, uh, is one show with Pale Horse in New Jersey in July. You know, right now, like May and June are uh, pretty quiet. And then July starts, uh, the end of July, I start up with Danzig. Uh, we're going to Europe for like uh, like 10 days or something, a couple of festival dates. And then we're playing, that ends in Vegas. We're playing that uh, Psycho Las Vegas Festival. Are you going to be at the Misfits show in Jersey? I don't know. I'm not sure. It depends if if I have any other stuff going on that week. Okay. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't go up just for that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, Fair like, enough. You know, like I, you know, like if there's like you know whatever like other work or like you know other things going on, but I I can't just go up to, you know, New York, you know, just for a concert. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact that you know you've been working with dancing for so uh, for for yeah. so long. Um, I haven't I haven't seen them play yet. I haven't seen the Misfits, you know, since they since Jerry and you know Doyle since Glenn got back together with them. I haven't I haven't seen any of the of the shows. I, I'd like to I'd, I'd like to see the show. So I'm hoping that some other stuff comes in and I'll go up to New York for a few days and catch it. Cool. Actually, my uh, George, who asked that last question, he flew from Long Island to Chicago for that uh, Misfits reunion uh, show. Oh, the Riot, Riot Fest. Yeah, for Riot Fest, yeah. exactly. Not knowing that eventually they would come closer to us in, in, in Jersey, but uh, which is ironically flying to Chicago to see that show was cheaper than the tickets that we had to buy for the New Jersey show. So, Really? Yeah. It was like really wow. cheap. Yeah, I, I kind of regret not going, but whatever. It is what it is. I see that. I see that uh, uh, like with the... Um... When they did the farm show, the the tickets were pretty expensive too. Like you know, not so much like you know, like the, the resellers and stuff. They're the ones that are like you know, killing it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, even with yeah. me, I got my uh, my handicap seats. Uh, I'm I have a physical disability, uh, so I can. Okay. So even the handicap seats, they're screwing us. But that was slightly uh, wow. uh, less expensive. But still, I've never seen the Misfits, and uh, I mean, for the first time, I saw Danzig last year with you. Um, oh. But, but whether you come up for you know for the Misfits or next time you're around, I mean, I was working the night when uh, Hookers and Blow played uh, Blackthorn and Queens. So I mean, I, I gotta see, <laughs> I, I gotta see a real Hookers and Blow show. It's gotta happen. Usually we come up, up to New York. We, that's usually around yeah, around like January, like right after the holidays. All right. We do that run, and that that's been like a, an annual thing. You know, like do some like whatever, play Connecticut and you know, Massachusetts and. You know, New York, and then some, you know, sometimes Jersey and Philly and, you know. But it's always like, you know, like that region. Right on. Which is how I wound up in the band, (laughs) playing up there. It's all fate, just like how the the studio around the corner from your your childhood home. It's all fate for you. Yeah. yeah. Some good, some good, most, I I would like to think a lot of good fate. There was some bad fate in there, but uh, I think overall the fact in 2018 that, you know, you're a part of uh, so many legendary bands and uh, continuing to make great music is just uh, a testament to not just your playing ability, you know, not still not even be able to read much music, but uh, who you are it's as a person. Being, it's just being stubborn. <laughs> that too. Sure. That's it. That's it. It's just a persistent stubbornness. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, I'm going to be uh, stubborn in my quest to uh, hopefully get uh, dizzy on the show uh, one day. So I say this to all my guests. If you, I mean, not only are you welcome back to, to you know, talk maybe more about dancing next time, maybe yeah. some cool uh, hookers and blow uh, stories. Uh, but if you want to come on as a co-host, just like it Stud is doing today. Uh, oh, okay. Maybe you can be my co-host, and we can both interview Dizzy or or someone else. Uh, you know, maybe that you you feel that would be good, cool for my audience. You know, as long as there's a GNR tie, you know, uh, my audience loves okay. it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so that's especially you know next time you're in town, I would love for you to come down uh, in studio and uh, and meet you. Sounds like fun. Awesome, Stud. Unless you have any uh, parting questions for for Johnny. No, this is just this has been incredible, and Johnny, thank you for just being so gracious. Oh, thank you guys, man. I had a lot of yeah. fun. Oh, the best way for fans to keep in contact with you and, and keep uh, keep track with what's going on. I know on Twitter you're at Johnny Kelly thirteen uh, thirteen. Uh, yeah. What's the best way? Is that the best way? Your your Facebook? Yeah, that like you know that Facebook. Uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram. It's all pretty much the same stuff. Like a, whatever the Facebook is, Johnny Kelly. Uh, the Instagram is Johnny Kelly thirteen thirteen. I think. I think it's the same as uh, my Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. But well, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not hard to find. No, no, and uh, <laughs> not hard to find. And you made it. Uh, sure. This just a, a pleasure, Johnny. And thanks for keeping in touch. And uh, you know, I had a blast, man. Thank you. Thank you for your time. This was a lot of fun. I'm I'm happy to hear you say that because I had a lot of fun too. And and thanks so much. Enjoy your day. You too. All right, I'll I'll see you guys soon. You got to take care. Bye bye. So uh, that was that was pretty pretty rad, man. Uh, I hope you and your your kids enjoy talking to to Johnny. Oh, I I had a blast, and I'm I'm proud of myself for keeping my composure. I'm proud of my uh, one of my kids for being relatively quiet. (laughs) Um, I'm. Apologize that if we ever do this again, I will make sure that my wife is not leaving. And if she does, she does it quietly without the little one seeing because 
That was a way to start the program. I know. And again, I could go back and, and, and fix that, but I think uh, Johnny appreciated that. And uh, hopefully all of you appreciate that just for, for what it is. That's rock and roll. Uh, sometimes a mistake is a, the best part of something. So uh, it was absolutely. It was pretty. It was just pretty great, uh, and just to get him on and talk to him for so long, and hopefully we get to talk to him uh, again. You know, uh, so I appreciate Johnny. Uh, I appreciate you, Stud, uh, for coming on, and the fact that we get. The, I know we text every now and then, uh, but you know, th- have this moment in our friendship. I think we, is something we'll always we, cherish. We actually get to talk to each other. It's lovely. I feel better. <laughs> I feel better. Today's a better day. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I also want to pay uh, some, you know, not just to thanks to Johnny and thanks to John, John Muir, Stud, Studly Boy. Uh, I want to say thanks to a couple of our fans that reached out to me uh, yesterday um, on my, my Facebook page, on, on the AFD Facebook page, which was just, uh, I don't know, it was, it was just pretty special to wake up to some of these messages. So first one uh, I want to mention, because we talk about, I mean, yes, we asked questions a, a lot today from New York. We talked a lot about Brooklyn. Like, you know, I, I get it. But, you know, when in Rome or when in Brooklyn, uh, we got to talk about that stuff. But, uh, you know, we talk about uh, fans from Ireland, from from uh, Argentina, from South America, from Spain. I mean, the amount of uh, listeners from all over is just very overwhelming. And, uh, I mean, GNR, of course, has fans all over, but... For this little podcast to be 60 episodes in and, you know, to be in in English uh, to reach uh, all these places, of course, like the Netherlands with uh, with Remco. Uh, but this one I, I got uh, my first one from Greece. So uh, I just want to say what's up to, to Connie. And uh, he, he wrote this. He said, love the show. Greetings from, from Greece. Um, and he's been to, he's telling me stories about how he went to Prague to see GNR. So I'll just say, oh, what's up, Connie? Really appreciate that. And the other one I want to say to, uh, hi to is uh, is Brian uh, Hi, uh, H-Y. So um, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it uh, correctly. Uh, he said, uh, really enjoyed your interview with Tommy, bro. I've been lucky uh, enough to have been friends with him for a lot of the time. He was with guns. He's genuinely a good guy, and you got him good. He necessarily doesn't enjoy the limelight, but he really enjoyed the, your interview. Uh, I could tell. That's what he said. So that that means a lot. You know, you didn't know. Uh, I, I wrote in my GNRforum.com uh, when I was talking to some other GNR fans that I admit I was a bit timid talking to Tommy because I know his, you know, we, every person I want to talk about what that they have going on now. But I guess with guns, it's it's weird. It's just sometimes it's a sensitive subject, so I was a bit timid. And I just wanted to make sure that Tommy had a good experience. So for someone, I mean, his reps told me after the fact that he had a good experience, and they really appreciated it. Uh, but to hear that from a, a common friend is really cool. Oh, and uh, and one more. This is another from another Brian. Uh, Brian uh, Kindle, I want to say. Uh, he wrote this, and this is, as we mentioned before with you, Stud, that you've listened to all these episodes uh, which is just unbelievable. Uh, you know, you, we're friends, though. You, you've known about this since the beginning. So, oh, yeah. so and, and even Finn is, and is known about this. Uh, or Calder, whatever. You have too many kids. Uh, it's, 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 fine. <laughs> it's all good. So uh, uh, Brian writes this. Uh, Brando, I came across your podcast on, on the 6th of this month. So April 6th. So just not too long ago. And I've been binge listening at work. And in the car over the past two weeks, the episodes have been amazing, and it can't get enough. So, and he's actually given me, uh, he gave me a good uh, 
uh, interview suggestion, which maybe will come to fruition in a later episode. And I always put out there to the fans, you know, if you want to suggest somebody, please do so. Uh, that's really going to help. Like with Jamie Hunting, who's going to be on uh, coming up in a, uh, a few episodes, who was with the Outsiders with West Arkeen and the last recordings with uh, Axel and Slash that we know of. Uh, that was the suggestion of my JNR forum. So this is uh, you know, all thanks to you, including you, uh, Stud, uh, why I've been able to do 60 going on, you know, 61, 62, uh, how long I'm going to be doing this. I don't know. As long as I keep getting messages like that and keep getting guests like Johnny Kelly and Tommy Stinson, I'm going to keep doing this uh, this little GNR podcast. Uh, so just thanks to, to everybody for listening to episode 60. Uh, please uh, follow uh, us on uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, both at The AFD Show or Facebook slash um, The AFD Show if you're computer literate. Um, you can also follow and subscribe on iTunes, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, of course, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Leave a review. Uh, I read those as well. I may have mentioned before uh, that one of the reviews on iTunes had suggested getting uh, Tyler Bryant on again. Uh, that should be happening in the future as well. So I do read. I do appreciate everything you say. So just, again, thank you. This was a big love fest. I feel uh, a love fest, a love affair. I combined two words. Uh, there, so uh, again, if you have anything else you uh, you want to share before you go, be a good father again. Did you have to do anything crazy with your kids this episode? Any dirty diapers? Yeah, actually, there was a diaper change mid show. This is what the mute button is for. Slow clap, slow clap. I they, that might be the first recorded poopy changing on the history of radio. I don't know. I don't know what Stern has done. But I, I think that adds a little <laughs> something special because you said you've done that while listening. But the fact that you did that while actually being a part of this show is uh, is something special. So uh, thanks for everyone listening. Thanks for, you know, thank you for Calder and Finn for being such great, <laughs> great uh, production assistants on this show. So uh, they, will, they will hear this when they're older and I will I will tell them what they sounded like. Incredible. Yeah, it's going to be on. Uh, it's going to be forever. It's going to be forever. Very cool. So, forever. Yeah. So in the next. So as far as the next episode of the AFD show is concerned, no kids. But in the uh, in the words of Axel Rose concerning a Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it.